hand that we stand on, that we lean on, that we depend on. Amen. There's nobody like him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, what beautiful days that we've been having. And uh, we are heading into that beautiful season of the year. And I hope we have a little bit more of it. You know, sometimes you, you go from, it's almost like now we go from those cold, and then it jumps to 70, and then jumps to 90. And uh, then uh, all of a sudden your fall goes from 90, and it seems like it kind of tapers off pretty quick. In fact, I've been reading a little bit about some parts of the, we've been having snow. And... Uh, Sister Sanderson's not here tonight, so I can't tease her on that, but uh, anyway, give us the fall, keep the snow. How about that? Praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Let's go back, if you will, to the third chapter of the book of Colossians, and some of you probably think, are we ever going to get done with this book? Amen. But um, we're going to be in verse 23 tonight of chapter 3, praise God, verse... You know, we were talking last week, started talking about how uh, our, our domestic life, our social life, and how we need to treat one another as husbands and wives and, and uh, workers and so on and so forth. And uh, so tonight I want to get into verse 23, 24, and 25. So let's look at it together. And whosoever... Ye do, do it, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Everybody say heartily. As unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive, the, that, that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Lord God, we thank you again tonight for, amen, your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness that you have so graciously shown to us. We thank you for your word, and I pray, God, tonight that we will open up our ears to hear, open up our hearts to receive what your word would speak unto us this evening. And God, I pray tonight that we would have that open heart that is receptive and ready to receive and ready to apply, amen, your word to each and every one of our lives. So bless us, I pray, God, tonight in Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody say amen. God bless you. you may be seated. So basically here, beginning in verse 23, you see uh, the admonition that Christians should work, amen, heartily and, uh, and literally from their soul. Everybody say soul. Amen. And basically what it's saying is you should work as though you are working for the Lord and not for humans. Amen. You, we see that a lot in, in our world today where everybody wants something for nothing. Amen. But I think as a child of God, we need to work, amen, as a light unto those that we work with as well as those that employ us. Amen. So that they would see that we are different. Amen. That we are different. Amen. So we're working for the Lord 
And that's what it's all about and not necessarily for humans. We want people to realize we're going to do everything we can. And when you look at that phrase, whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do echoes the verse uh, in verse 17, reminding us that, uh, reminding us of that verse's admonition to submit to Christ's lordship in everything. Everybody say everything. In fact, if you go back to verse 17, let me read it real quick. And whatsoever you do, amen, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Say all. Everybody say all. So you notice that the verse expresses uh, the Christian doctrine, if I can say, of work. Amen. Of work. So work is not merely uh, a drudgery. How many, how many ever looked at it? Oh, man, I got to go to work. Oh, this is a drudgery. Oh, I think all of us probably have looked that way one time or another as we're, as we're uh, uh, going off to work. Amen. But work is not merely a drudgery. It's something that we should uh, uh, shirk whenever possible. Amen. Work, in essence, is honorable for everybody. Everybody say it's honorable. Amen. It's both, it's both a responsibility and a privilege. So the next time you go to call off work, boy, you got quiet. The next time you go to call off work, make sure that it's legit. Amen. Should I get on that for a little while? Sometimes we'll call and we'll come up with an excuse. I'm sick. I don't feel well. But then all of a sudden, we get better. Anyhow, we'll leave that alone. It's both a responsibility, it's a privilege. So the Lord wills for us to work in order to do what? To support ourselves, to support our families and society. And in order to do what? Help other people. Amen. Help, everybody say help other people. In fact, when you look at Ephesians, let me, let me distract you here. Ephesians, uh, the fourth chapter and verse 28, and also 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 15, and 1 Timothy 5, 8. I'm going to show you something here. In Ephesians 4 and verse 28, notice, notice what the Scripture says. Amen. Now, now, we're talking about here, we understand that we have, this is talking about a new life. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? We're new. This is talking about us. So, Paul's writing to him, and he says in verse 27, he says, neither give place to the devil, Right? In other words, don't give him an opportunity. Now notice what verse 28 says. Let him that, steals, that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So he says, look, if you used to steal, don't do it no more. Go out, work with your hands. Amen. Get, get an honest uh, living that way, and then that way you can give to those that are in need. Everybody say, praise God. Then we're going to go over to 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians uh, and uh, verse uh, chapter uh, 3. Uh, so we're going to read verses 6 through 15. Notice what it says here. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you with, withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. 
For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behaved not of ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we, uh, neither did we, uh, as uh, we uh, eat any man's bread for not or for free. Right? Free of charge. We didn't do that. And rough, or we worked for it with labor and travailed, amen, night and day that we might not be uh, charged to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not your word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Amen. Admonish him or warn him as a brother. 1 Timothy 5.8 tells us simply this. 5.8 says, but if, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house or his household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That word infidel just simply means worse than an unbeliever. So he's saying to us that if we don't provide for our family, we are worse than an unbeliever. So the scripture talks very strongly about we working with our hands and providing for our families. And when we work, we are actually working for the Lord. And therefore, we should strive for excellence. Everybody say excellence. When we work as unto the Lord, our labor does what? Our labor becomes a testimony. So when you go to your job, when you go uh, fulfill your duties at work, amen, do it unto the Lord. Why? Because you want that, that, that boss or those work associates, amen, to see that there's something you that's different. There's something that's driving you that's different than what they have. And so that's why we say when we work, we're working for the Lord and we're doing it with excellence. Everybody say excellence. So when we work as unto the Lord, our labor becomes that testimony before them. Amen. Of what? Of our allegiance to God. Amen. And also uh, to speak about His grace that is a part of our lives. Amen. When you look at Titus, uh, the second chapter and verses 9 and 10, notice what it says here in, in, in uh, Titus 2, 9 and 10. It said, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to, be, and, to be, and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Not answering again. Do you know what that means? Amen. Don't, don't talk back. You know, we live in a society today where our kids, man, they just, like to, they just like to lip off to you. Amen. You say something to them and they automatically got to come back at you with something. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but I don't deal with those things very well. You know? I'm not, you know, back in my day when I had parents, they didn't tell me to go sit in the corner. Does anybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. They didn't tell you to go sit in the corner. They didn't give you 
Time out. No. No. Their way of dealing with me talking back was a good old whooping. Our kids today, they are, a lot of them are so, uh, I got to be careful here. They got to be, they're, they're, a lot of them are soft. Let me put it that, put it this way. They're soft, you know, so, so if they ever had to deal with that, uh, I don't know if they would know really how to act. It would just crush them, right, young people? It would just crush you if you had to deal with that, right? It would just crush you. Hey, man, I can't believe it. Because a lot of times, you know, that's just the way uh, the world was then. And we live in a different time. But understand this. He said, look, don't talk back. Right? Not, verse 10 says, not purloining, but, or, or, you know, uh, but showing all good fidelity. All good fidelity. Amen. That they, may, uh, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Be faithful. Right? Be faithful. Praise God. Everybody, everybody needs to remind me. I gotta go get my eyes checked. Amen. On my iPad, I've got big letters. On my Bible, I got small letters. And it's getting harder and harder to see those small letters. Can I hear an amen tonight? Amen. So we see that. Amen. So in verse 24, not only do we labor for the Lord and not merely for humans, but we look at the Lord and not merely to humans for our reward. So in other words, I'm looking to the Lord. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do my best to do it with excellence. Why? Because the Lord is looking at my life, and He expects that of me. Right? Everybody say, the Lord expects that of me. Amen. Knowing that in the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Amen. So we do that. We look to the Lord. So this truth should motivate us to work indeed as unto the Lord. You know the way it is, you know, when, you know, I don't know if they do this much anymore, but I can remember a day when uh, out here at the mill or different places of work, uh, you know, they would have... You would have your straight time, and people didn't really get excited about the straight time. I mean, they just went and did their, their, their duties, whatever. But when the time and a half came up, that started getting exciting. And then when you had a holiday, and uh, sometimes they'd get double time, and sometimes back in the day they'd get triple time on certain things, how they worked their schedules out. I mean, that would make you pretty excited, Right? Right? Hey man, that's what like my, my uncle one time when we went over there for Thanksgiving, they had a bunch of storms come through and he worked for uh, a power company in, uh, over in Illinois, Illinois Power and Light. And so when the storm came through, he went out day after day after day after day and he made all this money in like a short amount of time. And, and if I can remember quickly, correctly, it was like he was telling my dad, I was just listening, he said, man, I made $3,800 in like a week. And then he ended up telling him some figure that they took out taxes. And I, was, I didn't know much. I, I know I worked a little bit, not like that. But I'm like, boy, that's depressing. Man, I made $3,800. But they took a 1000 of it or whatever it was. And you're like, oh, man, all that work. But here's the thing. You do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because you do have a reward. And, and this is what motivates us. See, the Lord is going to pay us fairly, right? How many believes that? 
whatever injustice we endure in this life, and we have them, right? Amen. We have injustice in the life. And, and then we, we understand that the way the Lord is, He will more than repay us in, li- in the life to come. Why? Because He will give us inheritance as a reward. We have an inheritance that's coming that this world has never seen, nor will it ever see. Amen. And so the promise was particularly comforting to who? Well, we've been reading a lot about the servants to whom it was originally addressed. <coughs> Excuse me. And although they were not part of the family, which they labored and had no hope of payment, they just they served the family, they served the estate, they served those folks. Amen. They labored for them however many hours, long days, but they had no hope of a just payment from their master. And God was saying to them, hey man, I'm promising you an inheritance, not just an inheritance, but I want you to have a son's portion. A son's portion. Amen. So he was saying to them, look, I know there's injustices. I know you're going through all this, but I've got an inheritance for you that's unlike anything you could ever imagine in this world. Oh, let's clap our hands and praise him tonight. He's worthy of it today. So in verse 25, he says, But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So he's saying here, just as a conscientious worker will will receive a fair reward he also says so a wrongdoer will receive a reward for what for his wrongdoing amen and God will see God will see that you're paid he's going to see that you're paid when you do good and he's going to see you that you're paid when you do bad you say how do you know that well he talks to Galatians in the sixth chapter verse seven he says whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. So the way I look at it is when I'm sowing to the, to the, to the wind and, the, and, and you know, you're going to reap the whirlwind or when I sow to the, to the, to the flesh and to the world, I'm going to reap. I will have a, a, a payment for that. He will pay me. So again, what, whatever is not repaid in this life will surely be repaid in the life to come. Either good or bad. And the one thing I like about this, he said there's no respect to persons. There is no favoritism. There is no partiality in this matter. You will. This principle applies to everybody, no matter who we are. And so by implication, it applies to both the master and the servant. Both, I think the scripture tells us, have equal responsibilities and privileges in God's sight. Amen. It's important for us to realize that when you read the scripture here, I think Paul addresses it quite adequately, amen, and eloquently when he's dealing with the church in that day and time. Amen. So when you look at chapter 4 and you go to verse 1, it says, Masters, give unto your servants uh, that which is just and equal. What does that mean? That means fair. That means fair. Everybody say fair. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So in other words, 
treat them as though you, how you want to be treated. Right? Amen. I, I get excited when I start talking about this because I understand that, that the scripture, what God wants to do for us and how much he wants to, to bring us into uh, 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 more of his likeness every day that we live. Amen. And our, our, our not just humbleness, but our the, the uh, uh, willingness to want to help and give to those that are around us. And so in verse 1, he tells masters to grant what is right and fair to the servants. And I also believe in this day and time that employers today should do the same with their employees. You know, you hear all this stuff and everybody wants to say, oh man, it's a, the job is worth this or the job is worth that or whatever. I get all that. I understand that you're paid according uh, to uh, uh, your, uh, uh, what, what level of expertise you have. But I still believe that, that when somebody is out there doing work, they are worthy of their labor. And you need to treat them fairly. Everybody say fairly. You might say, well, pastor, why in the world are you talking about this tonight? Because the Bible does. The scripture does. How many has ever worked for that person that wasn't fair? How many has ever worked for that company that wasn't fair? I think we can all, we've had those moments, we've had those times when you knew you were worth a lot more than what they were paying you. Right? Amen. So, so we understand that, 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 that he's not just talking about the master and the servant, but he's also talking about, about also, I believe, I'm, I'm laying it in there, that today, uh, today's time employers should also, you should be fair, amen, with your employees. So, but when you look back at the society of the first century uh, and you understand the scripture, amen, it gave masters absolute power over their servants, Amen. But Christianity in that time imposed the demands of justice upon them. So the word translated as give means to grant, to supply, to show. So masters are to give themselves to ensure fairness, right? Grant fairness, supply it, show it. And so we see here, it appears that a Christian master at that time who implemented these principles fully would eventually come to realize that he should also give or grant his servants their freedom. Which is right. Right? We should not live in a society or, uh, you know, when, and, and understand, I've looked back in centuries, they've had those issues uh, with uh, uh, slaves and so on and so forth. Centuries it's been going on, right? And, and things that would happen. Look at the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. Amen. Sure, they went down there and everything was hunky-dory, but then all of a sudden there was somebody, a, a king that came, a pharaoh that came along that didn't know Joseph. And then you look at the time, uh, that they spent building all these things for the pharaohs and, and the taskmasters. They were tough. Amen. And it wasn't fair and it wasn't just. And only when God found a man by the name of Moses, amen, having ran away himself because of the situation that he got himself in, amen, could go back and say to him, let my people go. Right? 
Amen. It took, it took God. God said, okay, it's time. It's time to bring them out. Amen. Never was God's intention for those kind of things to happen. So when we move on into Colossians uh, 4 chapter verses 2 through 6, notice what it says. He said, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Verse 4 says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So this passage provides, I believe, some additional instructions as this epistle draws to a close. It focuses on prayer, which we still believe in prayer, right? And witnessing. We still believe in that, right? Which we have to understand as a child of God that this is our responsibility. Prayer and witnessing. Praying for and reaching for. Amen. The lost. Verse 2 here admonishes us to do what? Continue in prayer. Meaning that you and I should devote ourselves to prayer. Amen. To do what? To make prayer a habit. Everybody say a habit. You got to make it a habit. You got to look at it and say, this is what I must do. It's got to become a part of my DNA. It's got to become a part of my life. Amen. I've got to pray. I've got to make it to where I can't just not pray and feel comfortable about it. I've got to, if I don't pray, I need to feel bad about it. It needs to put me to that place to where I know I've got to find a place to pray. I've got to make time to pray. Amen. Pray. Continue to pray. Meaning, basically, to devote ourselves to prayer. To make prayer a habit. Everybody say a habit. So when you go back to those scriptures in Colossians 1 and 3, 12, 2 and 7, 3, 5, 3, 15, 17. Here's what it is. Paul, Timothy, Epaphras were examples of Christians who prayed. They were examples. Everybody say examples. There's nothing like having somebody in your life that makes it a habit to pray. Right? How many believe that tonight? Amen. My example was my mother and my father. They, it was a habit to them. They prayed. No matter what was going on in their life, they prayed. Wasn't uncommon for me to wake up wee hours in the morning hearing my mother pray or hearing my dad pray. They prayed. That was my example. That was like, okay, I need to understand this is important in your walk with God. Even though at that age, I, you know, as a teenager, I really wasn't, you know, it didn't kind of uh, inspire me. But yet at the same time, when I would hear that, I would say, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to walk with God. This is what it means to have communion with God. Amen. Is that you talk with him. Amen. You, you, you reach out to him. Now, understand, there's two ingredients that are vital to prayer. The first one is watchfulness. Everybody say watchfulness. 
Amen. In other words, keeping awake, being alert, being spiritually sensitive. Being spiritually sensitive. You know, it's like, it's like the story about uh, Jesus going into the garden and then he goes a little farther, takes Peter, James, and John. They get there and he says, you know, wait right here, I'm going a little farther. And, and then all of a sudden he comes back out and he says, what? They were asleep. He says, what? Could you not watch for one hour? Could you not watch for one hour? So watchfulness, keeping awake, being alert, being spiritually sensitive. Amen. When you begin to pray and you're seeking for the Lord, amen, watchfulness. Everybody say watchfulness. Amen. It's vital to prayer. Vital to prayer. Now, as a new convert in God, you, you learn these things. You come along in this. Because a lot of times you're like, I, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to pray for. And, 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 and all these different things kind of come along in that area. And so the thing of it is, the best way I can describe it is, it's like having a conversation with anybody. Just have a conversation with him. What's going on in your life? What's happening? Right? Amen. you got to be watchful. Watchful. Alert. Amen. Seeking for. If you're praying, you need to expect something. Right? Expect it. It may not come right then. It may not show up right the next day, but be watchful, be, be watchful. The second thing is thanksgiving. In other words, once again, here the epistle places emphasis on giving thanks to God. What's wrong with that? Giving thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Amen. I heard somebody on the radio the other day say it this way. Amen. I opened up my eyes this morning. Amen. I thank God that I had another day. Right? Amen. Do we do that in the morning? When we get up in the morning, it may not be going right. Amen. You might have, you know, as they say, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. But you need to get up. Amen. When your feet hit the floor or before they hit the floor, say, Lord, I want to thank you for this day. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I'm going to thank you for this day. I'm going to thank you, amen, for, for letting me enjoy another day. Don't have an idea what's going to happen, but I'm going to thank you, Lord, for this day, right? Why? Because this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going, to be, I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. Pastor, I had a rough day at work. Thank God anyway. Well, I had a, we had a rough uh, incident at the family today. Thank God anyway. No matter what's going on, thank God. Give him Thanksgiving. Amen. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, folks. Amen. What a day <clears throat> to thank God. Verse 3. Here Paul specifically requested that the Colossian saints pray concerning him. Right? Amen. They specifically requested that the Colossians pray. Clearly there's power, folks, in intercessory prayer. When you begin to pray and you begin to reach out to God, amen, and you get in that vein, there is power in that prayer. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Prayer is important. Amen. He's requesting prayer. Why, why do you think we do prayer requests? Why do you think we are, we, we, we say, you know, so-and-so's in need, this is in need, and people call us and they say, you know, would you put us on your prayer list? You know? Would you put us on your prayer list? We, we want prayer. We're desiring prayer. And they're giving you a request for prayer. Amen. That's important, folks. Don't look at that list and just say, oh, man, look at that. Man, we got 20 people on that list. We got 30 people on that list. Amen. We got 50 people that need a prayer. And, uh, oh, thank you, Jesus, for them. 
You know, no. Get, you know, if you need to get your list on your own, amen, begin to, begin to intercede and, 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 and begin to, uh, those requests have been made, make them known to God. So Paul wanted the Colossians to pray that God would open a door for the message, amen, to be presented so that he and Timothy could go and proclaim the gospel. He desired above all else to speak what? The mysteries of Christ. The word of God, which is the message of what? It's the message of incarnation, the, the atonement, and specifically the message of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. So Paul, his proclamation of the mystery of Christ was the reason for his imprisonment. You know, you read it in the Bible, you know, don't, don't be preaching in this name anymore. Don't be speaking in the name. Don't be, don't be talking about this stuff. Amen. So understand, amen, what I see in this world today is the same thing. We got, do you know we have Christians somewhere around this world, there are places in the world where they are heavily persecuted? Amen. Did you ever think that in the United States of America they'd be burning Bibles and people would be talking openly about, about Christianity that just needs to kind of go away? Huh? Amen. How many countries in the world do you see going uh, into becoming secular societies? Our own, our own United States of America, we are having problems now and people are starting to, to, to really, it's, church is not the big deal that it used to be in their lives. Christianity is not the big thing that it once was. And I think there's a lot of people that are celebrating that. But you and I here know better than that and we know that it takes this kind of prayer and reaching out to God and reaching out to people. And you may, you may go through some stuff with it, but you got to understand that you got to stick with it. Paul knew no matter if he was in prison, he still had to stick with it. So he requested prayer. And when a, when a request for prayer comes, we need to be willing to pray for that request. So Paul, even as great as he was, requested the, prayer, the Colossians to pray that he was going to be able to proclaim the message properly. In other words, that is to do it with a way that, that the mystery would be plain and would be clear. Even though Paul was a veteran missionary, folks. Come on. He did not, even though he was, he did not have confidence in his own human ability. Neither should we. Neither should we depend totally upon what we have up here. Because you can have everything up here and no spirit with it. And really it's the spirit that's going to woo people. It's the anointing that's going to woo people. Amen. Not all your knowledge. They might think, man, that's great. You know a lot about the Bible. But unless there's a connection. And Paul said, you know what? I've got all the human ability. But that's not what I'm asking you to pray for. I want you to pray that the anointing is there. That I can do it clearly, that I can do it plainly, that I can do it where they understand it. Right? Amen. I want to be effective. Everybody say effective. Amen. That's what Paul was talking about. I want my ministry to be effective. Amen. And I'm depending on the grace of God. I'm depending on your prayers as the saints of God. Amen. To help it. 
be effective. And so significantly, Paul's personal prayer request, I believe it's centered around the preaching of the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel of God's kingdom instead of around his own personal needs and his own personal desires. That's what we got to, you know, sometimes we get locked into that. It's what I need. It's what I desire. In reality, we need to be praying, not my will, God, but your will be done. And pray for the needs and the desires of other people. And then God, on the backside of that, begins to come and work in our lives in ways that maybe we can't even imagine. And so, only in the last verse of the letter did, did he so much as imply the Colossians' prayer or that they would pray concerning his personal circumstances, circumstances and imprisonment. In verse, five, in verse 5, it admonishes believers to act in wisdom or conduct themselves wisely toward outsiders. You know, you always, you always hear me say it from time to time. And I try to, I try to be as cautious or as kind as I can be. But it makes no difference if it's a receptionist at a place you go or it's on the phone with somebody that you're ticked off because you got something that, that you know, they shipped you the wrong thing. Or, you know, you got to get online and just tell people that this is da, 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 da. Amen. I'm telling you right now, God takes note of things like that. Amen. Even if you got, do it the right way. Be kind. Be humble. Be gentle. Don't get quiet on me tonight. Come on now. Understand that. When you, go, when you go to the restaurant and you didn't get your food the way you want to do it, there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. Hear me tonight. Why does that matter? Pastor, why do, you, why do you take notice of that all the time? Because as a pastor, a lot of people know me. A lot of people know the church. And we want to give them a good feel about the people of God. A good feel about the church, right? So when we're dealing with outsiders, conduct ourselves wisely. Wisely. Doesn't mean you can't complain. It doesn't mean that you can't say, hey, this is wrong or whatever. Or I got the wrong thing or the wrong order from, from uh, uh, you know, Kohl's or, or Amazon or, or wherever you bought it from. No. And you, know, you can be right, but you can be kind. You can shine the light. Turn to your neighbor and say you're too quiet right now. So we are also to do what? The Bible says redeem the time. In other words, you know, one translation says make the most of every opportunity. Another translation says make the best possible use of our time. In other words, we should buy up for ourselves each opportunity. Take advantage of it. Get a hold of it. Every opportunity. And when I say that, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes that first opportunity is only being kind. And saying, hey, man, how you doing? Somewhere there's a connection. Somewhere, you, you know, one step at a time. People get to know you. So we need, to, we, we need to regain time that, that, that the devil gets us, I, I believe, uh, that we misuse our time sometimes. The enemy will get us to misuse our time. And then all of a sudden, we haven't taken the time. Right? Man, I could go on. I've got, I've got I, I'm going to quit. So if, if you'll come up and, and, 
Sister Nikki and play something, I will quit. Everybody say regain the time. And in other words, we should use our time wisely. For what? For God's cause. Everybody say God's cause. And this principle applies to all of our activities. All of our time. Look, folks, I used to play ball. I used to play ball, and I'd get out there, we'd be playing in tournaments and stuff like that. And, and, and uh, to give you an idea, I played a tournament one time, and, and all of a sudden I had my name on my jersey, and, and somebody from that city said, come up, and they said, hey, man, you're a hide ball I looked at him, and I said, yeah. I said, nobody pronounces my name right for the first time. So oh, we got a bunch of them living here. I'm like, oh, really? <clears throat> and he knew them. All right, you don't know. I've been in places where they play ball, and, 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 and I've, I've played with them, and I've had to tell people from time to time, hey, dude, man, you know, we're Christians, man. We shouldn't be acting that way. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brother Hotteville. I'm sorry. I mean, it's this way. Hey, you win, you lose. You know, play, whatever. But don't let the enemy, don't let your flesh get the best of you where it might destroy your witness. Because isn't that what it's all about? Is as a child of God, we are to put forth a witness to this world. To let them know that Jesus loves them. Amen. God, let me take advantage of every opportunity. Let me take advantage of every moment of prayer, of reading of your word and preparing myself for that moment that I can witness to somebody and tell them about your saving grace. Tell them about, hey man, your death, burial, and your resurrecting. The very thing that can, that can change your life. Proverbs tell a soft answer turneth away wrath. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let's stand together. Amen. I'm here to tell you tonight that it's all about our relationship with Him. Praise God. We're going to sing something right now. And I want us to raise our hands. And I want us to join together and singing and just lifting up the Lord. Can we do that right now? In Jesus' name. Bless us tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, let your word find that resting place. Thank you, Jesus.
heart and our soul that we might do your work in this last day. Amen. And understand it's not our will, but your will that's to be done. Lord, as your children, Lord God, help us to stand on your word and be faithful to you. And Lord God, spread this gospel seed around the world in our family, our friends, in our schools, in our workplaces so that people will see, amen, through our light the difference that you can make in their lives. Bless us tonight, I pray. Go with us, lead us, and guide us. Keep your hand upon us. Protect us in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen.